This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Slade Northwest, and we talk about their epic cinematic films they produce and the hunting out in the Northwest. So without further ado, let's hear a word from our sponsors and jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me tonight, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and our guest tonight is Alex from Slade Northwest. How you doing tonight? Pretty good guys, pretty good. How you guys doing? Doing, doing great. Thank, thank you for joining us today. Excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited too. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Yeah, like we had uh, kind of been saying before you came up or before we went live, we we'd both been watching your videos for a long time, and um, you guys put out some awesome, awesome work over there. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate that. We always uh, we always love hearing feedback, and and we appreciate your guys' uh, support and watching them. 
So it's it's been a while since you guys have, I think, put something out. Uh, what, I think nine months or so since the last Waterfowl video, at least. Right. What do you have scheduled? Something coming up soon? Yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of got a late start this year. Um, we, we do have a film that we put together um, that was one of the last hunts of last year that we'll be releasing soon. Um, it's called On Widge, and, and basically it's, uh, it's an awesome kind of combo hunt we did. Uh, we hunted a slew one morning that was pretty loaded up. It ended up kind of, um, you know, getting a little messy, as you guys know, that kind of happens. And then I uh, went and scouted that afternoon and found a, a grass field that had uh, probably 2,000 widgeon in it and uh, ended up being <laughs> just a really awesome hunt, really memorable. Um, and uh, I think, you know, we put together a pretty good, pretty good film and hopefully it'll be a, a good way to kind of kick the season off this year with, with films. And, and we got some uh, pretty, pretty cool spots lined up to, to film this year as well. Awesome. Well, do you have a release date on that uh, new video? Uh, I, you know, I, I'd like to get it out probably in the next few days. Um, probably next week would be our, cool. our kind of uh, our goal. Um, just kind of depends on a couple things, you know, last touch-ups, um, things like that. But I'd like to get it out next week, kind of get the, the ball rolling on that. And then, you know, we, we're going to get into some, some hunts here as the the weather kind of starts to turn out here. So the birds should start moving in here pretty quickly and hopefully it'll uh, line up some, some good uh, hunts and films for us. Great. Sweet. So kind of, kind of stepping back a little bit, um, I guess kind of give us a little, little bit more about uh, who you are. Give, give an introduction. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up uh, out here in, in Seattle, Washington, and uh you know this whole thing kind of came about i've been i've been duck hunting and, and and hunting in general for my whole life uh, my dad got me into it um kind of been a you know what he thought would just turn into kind of like a, a father-son hobby kind of turned in into an obsession for myself as uh, i'm sure you know, kind of the same story as a lot of other guys and uh ended up going out to school at the university of montana uh in 2006 2000, uh, 2006, 2007. And, uh, really from there, we kind of, you know, saw kind of a need in the, uh, in the waterfowl industry for some good content. You know, there was a lot of kind of the normal, uh, videos out there of, of, of hunts where most of it is, you know, kill shots and, and stuff like that, which is, which is fine. It's always fun to kind of watch, you know, some reels of that. And, but we thought, you know, the, the kind of the storyline that goes behind the hunts and, and, everything like that is what hunters can relate to a lot more. So me and at the time, my buddy Lorenzo, who was, uh, was going to school with me there, who, um, is the, uh, president and, and founder of, of go hunt. Um, now he, we kind of started it, you know, just bought a little handheld camera, started it from there. And then actually, uh, a good buddy of ours that actually went to school there, uh, as well from Seattle, um, was actually in the media arts, um, school there and you know he's a pro when it comes to uh to filming and editing and stuff like that so we got him on board never been hunting in his life before and just decided to do it and and now he's hooked obviously as well and that was you know eight years ago ten years ago and and kind of been doing it ever since and and so it's been an awesome ride and and we you know didn't think it would ever get to 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 the point it is now where we've uh gotten so many you know 
so much great feedback from people and, and got to work with some awesome companies. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. Awesome. Sounds like you guys got a, <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun. We, we try to, uh, we try to make it as fun as possible and, and, you know, hunting, um, you know, for us has always been something that we love to do and, and getting to, to film it and, you know, look back at videos we did, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago with friends and family is, is something that we can hold on to for a lifetime. And, you know, if we get to, you know, help out and, and, and give our two cents of how waterfowling and, and hunting should be, you know, we're, we're happy. Now, is, is YouTube the only place where um, these videos are located or are there other places as well? Yeah. YouTube, YouTube and Facebook really. Um, uh, we, you know, we've kind of gone at maybe doing possible TV spots and, and whatnot, but you know, nowadays with, with how the industry is going, everything's web-based. Um, we just thought, you know, our, our kind of stories and our films can get out better, um, through here and, and, you know, messing with the whole TV spots and advertising and stuff. We, we never wanted to get our videos full of advertisements and, and, you know, as you guys know, on, on TV nowadays, and, and sometimes even, uh, via the web, that's kind of all videos are and understandably. So, you know, they need to, uh, they need to, to, to make money and, and fill their spots up, but we really just do it for, uh, for fun and, and, you know, and, uh, give people something to, to watch and we hope they like it. And I would just say for those of those of you that are listening, that are not familiar with Slade Northwest videos, um, you know, you have, there's the kind of different tiers of what you get on YouTube. You get your full on professional stuff that is um, comes kind of off of the TV, kind of the old model um, where they're still running tons of sponsors. Then you get the, the kill shot stuff. And then you've got people vlogging, um, which is kind of Jordan and I, and then you get that next, by far that next tier up where, um, you know, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not making a living on it, but it's professional quality with, I'm assuming professional grade equipment because the visuals and slow motions are so good that it's, that you don't, you don't put out that many videos a year, but they get tons of views, which is hard to do on YouTube. That's hard to do. Right, right. It's uh, yeah, you're right. We this isn't our career um, by any means. We we all have our our careers and and, and our day jobs and and we we do this um, we do this as as kind of a hobby, a way to meet a lot of cool people like like this right now, meeting you guys and and getting to to chat with you guys. We we love the experience and and Mather, our 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 film um, guy and editor, kind of the whole backbone and key to this whole thing. He is a professional. He, this is what he does for a living. He does a lot of films, uh, in the industry for, for go hunt, um, shoots some just incredible, incredible stuff. And, and he's, he's really amazing. I mean, he, he makes this kind of whole thing go. He, you know, we kind of put him in the, the, the spots to get the best shots and, and then he puts his artistic spin on it. Um, I mean, he creates all the music from scratch. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, he's incredible. It's all in-house stuff. He he doesn't wow. use any outside music or anything like that. He I've literally seen him do it before. He literally sits there in his in his studio and and creates the the music himself and you know from from music that he's playing himself or or from beats he's getting off uh you know the internet whatever it is. He he cuts all the music himself and and obviously the the film as well. So 
he he's a professional through and through and uh, really really has kind of become a, a household name within the uh, within the waterfowl industry at least via uh the web we need to get him on here jordan that would be yeah he would love to be he's he's i mean he's one of a kind he he does um i mean he was just on a 10-day back backcountry hunt um i think in idaho uh shooting a mule deer hunt and and he'll be with us, you know, throughout this season as well. And I think he's found a pretty awesome passion <laughs> in this. And and you know, he never picks up a gun. He's always got the camera on him. But he loves the adventure. He loves the the all nighters. Um, he loves you know driving through the night and backpacking and and sleeping on the side of mountains. He's he's uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. Awesome. Yeah, that is uh, that would be a character. Uh, these new these newer waterfowl type videos that are higher production, they're really art as much as they are anything they are. else. They are. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is we we, you know, a lot of uh hunting in in some cities and states, you know, that has a bad name and I think the biggest the biggest thing we've seen is a lot of people who don't hunt who who have never been watch our videos and and can kind of relate to why we do it. You know, they see Oh, you know, these guys, you know, they're not just out killing stuff. They, they do it for a reason The the, you know, the laughing and the blind, the camaraderie, all that type of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's pretty special to see people who have never hunted before to say, Hey, you know, we love your videos and, and we'll keep watching them. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an art. Absolutely. Well, in the last video, I believe the last video was influence, right? Right. Yeah. That was the last one. Exactly. And, I mean, that's yeah. like your father, you, right your child right. it just right. streams all the way through it just what you were saying right exactly and and yeah that's that's the type of stuff we want to portray in the videos you know we we got you know thousands of miles of b-roll of, of kill shots and and you know and great you know hunting uh pieces and stuff like that but we really want to you know we really want to put a story out for each film we don't want it to just be a a of hunting video per se. Sometimes we do, sometimes, you know, most of the time we want to create kind of a storyline um, or, or follow a storyline that, that we really think is interesting and, and kind of uh, follow that story and, and kind of push from there. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely can see that in there. And it kind of brings me, I, I say this a lot because when uh, we had Ben Potter on, he said the reason that he does uh, videos is he wants to do duck hunting justice. And I just love that. I'm like, man, that, that makes so much sense. Like, um, to do like it justice and just to have kill shots doesn't do justice to duck hunting. Cause it's so much more than that. Right. Right. And we, and Ben, Ben's our, our brother, he, you know, we, we've done a couple films with him and, and, you know, we've stayed connected him and Mather are, 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 are good buddies and done a lot of work together. And, you know, he shares the same, uh, the whole way we got connected is, is the same thing. We, we kind of share the same thoughts. And, and the same values and and we he, he's right get it on the hill we you know had we want to we want to give duck hunting the 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 light it deserves you know it's not just about going out and shooting guns at at animals right it, yeah. it's more than that and we uh we've always said from from day one that you know if we can get people to understand why we do it uh, then you know then we've accomplished something so it's it's uh it's been awesome. And, and Ben, you know, he's, he's amazing in himself. He's, he's a true artist just like Mather is. And, and he puts out some, some amazing stuff. For sure. Yeah. Well, I guess right now would be a good point to jump in and let's uh, go ahead and we do a little uh, kind of 
game called the lightning round uh quick questions and quick answers uh kind of <laughs> dig good. into your your uh duck hunting to see kind of what kind of duck hunter you are so <laughs> let's do it all right what kind of gun do you shoot uh benelli super black eagle the number two all right and what's your dream gun oh man my dream gun would probably be a beretta silver pigeon hmm I I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that one. It, it's really not even a duck gun. It's it's an upland gun. My my father's from Italy, um, and uh, it's a gun. He you know he's been obsessed with Beretta and kind of got me obsessed with it as well. And it's uh, it's amazing over and under um, that is just absolutely beautiful. And I've shot it a couple times actually in Italy uh, when we go there to visit family, and it's it's just so smooth. <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's pretty pretty pricey, but. Um, <laughs> They, you know, they are amazing. Uh, they're amazing guns. How much awesome. would you hunt that gun if you had it? Never. I would never. <laughs> Only time I take it out is in Montana when I knew I wasn't going to get a speck of, uh, a dirt on me and, and, uh, you know, in a frozen field where I could keep it safely in my layout. I would never take it out in Washington with the salt water and the mud and <laughs> all that. It'd stay at home in my, uh, in my safe. But you, that uh, Black Eagle too, you have, you beat the crap out of that one probably, right? Oh man, <laughs> that thing is, I, I need a new one. That, uh, that thing's been through uh, hell and back with me. It's been in the salt. It's, you know, been five feet underwater. It's, it's, uh, it's been an amazing gun for sure. I mean, I, I think it's probably time I, uh, probably time I upgraded and started taking better care of it. <laughs> now my dad has that same gun. Is yours a camo finish? It is. Does the kid, is that worn real quickly? It has a little bit. I mean, I, I've had it, uh, man, I've had it for probably five, five years now, five, six years and, and just hunted it really hard. And, and I'll be the first to say those guns are durable, but you know, I, I beat the crap out of it and, uh, you can tell, you know, absolutely yeah. still, yeah. still shoot straight. So that's, you know, that's all that matters. That's all that but, matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, uh, it definitely is seen as day. That's for sure. Yeah, my dad's that finish wore off on it really quick. But I mean, it's it's been a fantastic gun. Yeah, they 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 are fantastic guns. I mean, you can like I said. I mean, I dropped it in five feet of salt water and had to swim down and pick it up, and I was shooting it <laughs> five minutes later. So I mean, it, yeah. they're they're great guns, and and I'll continue to 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 shoot Benelli and Beretta um, as long as I live. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely always good for a click. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, just just kidding. They're great guns. Just just rubbing a little. I'm a I'm a Browning A5 guy. So okay, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I like Browning a lot too. Browning's a good good shotgun company. So uh, what ammo do you shoot? Uh, I do a mix. I shoot a mix of Kent and uh, Heavy Shot. All right. Hmm. And what size shot for ducks? I like you know I like I like threes and fours. I don't I don't get into twos or BBs or anything like that. People like to kind of powder them as much as they can, but I uh, I like I kind of stick with fours usually. Kind of depends on 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 where I'm hunting at. You know, if I know I'm gonna be getting them in real real close, I'll shoot sixes even. Mm. Um, but on the bay, you know, out out here on the salt, sometimes you gotta kind of reach out thirty yards, thirty five, forty yards, and and so you kind of kind of you know, put a little bit of uh, more power behind it with a, maybe a full choke and some twos. I gotta say, instant respect when you say you have to reach out in the first yardage you mentioned is 30. <laughs> that's yeah. like, if that's yeah. reaching out to you, you can come hunt with me anytime. <laughs> yeah, hey, we get crap all the time, you know, for people we bring out and anything like that. You know, we, 
we try not to uh, to reach. Um, you know, sometimes it happens, uh, obviously, but we we try to uh, we try to keep it close. And we've we've gotten a lot of crap for um, letting groups go because we think they're just a little too far out when when most people think they're you know <laughs> well within range. And I'm sure they are. We just maybe our eye is off now. Yeah, uh, but no, you know, I'd rather have right. that range. But you're you know. doing it right. You're yeah, right. I had, I had a guy a comment on one of my YouTube videos about ammo, right? and he said that it doesn't really matter. He could use two and three quarter uh, target load and shoot geese at seventy yards. I'm like, uh. <laughs> oh, those are your those are your YouTube uh, you know stars of the day right there. We yeah. see that a lot. They yeah. you know they think they're. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're the best shot, the best call. You know, you can't get away with anything nowadays. I mean, people people love to leave comments on anything you do. And with, with hunting, there's so many different ways, and people think their way is the best. So I'm not surprised that that guy thinks he can pull off that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I doubt that. it. I, I highly ever. doubt it. It's never going to happen. But I uh, need what? a I need a 50 cal to shoot a goose at 70 <laughs> yards. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what size <laughs> shot for geese? Um. I, I'll get down into to the to three and a half inch twos usually. Um, I never really jump into to B, BBs or triple Bs or anything like that. You know, usually, like I said, with with geese especially. I mean, if you're hunting geese right, um, you know, whether it's on a fence line or in a field, you should be finishing them at you know twenty yards, twenty five yards most of the time if uh, if your setup's right. So usually, I stick with twos and threes as much as I possibly can with geese, I'll jump up to three and a half inch because, you know, especially those Montana geese, those things are bulldozers and, and need uh, a lot to, to bring down. <laughs> so that leads me to the next question, three inch or three and a half. I'd say three. So you go three on both or you go three and a half. On yeah. And you give me a box bucks? of three inch threes and, and I'll take that all day. I'll take three inch threes. Give me a case of that and I'll be good to go for the season. Ducks or keys. Nice. Uh, a frames or layout or layout blinds. A frames by far a mile. I, I I don't like layouts. Uh, I you know sitting on the freezing cold ground. If I can be sitting on a little pod in an A frame, um, I'll take that all day on a fence line or anything like that. I mean sometimes you have to get in the middle of a field and lay out, you know. But I'll take A frames all day. What about an A-frame on a shoreline versus a layout boat? Would you take the A-frame on that too? If I can get away with the A-frame on on the shoreline, I'd rather do that. Boats, you know, can get a little messy with, you know, movement, moving around, trying to grab certain things and getting in and out and stuff like that. I I try and avoid boats as much as I possibly can, to be honest. I mean, we, Lorenzo and I had a, uh, a big 20-foot gator tracks that was the, the four-man hide. It was a layout. Uh, boat. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. It's it's an incredible boat. It, it, not really, probably the best boat for up here in Washington, but used a lot in in Salt Lake and and you know down in the South. And we hunted out of it a few times in in the layout form, and we just found that it was a little bit nicer being in a frames on the shoreline. Or but sometimes you need the boat to to get into certain places. You know you're you're hunting in ten feet of water, so you got to be in something. Well, we, we lay out, we've got a Ascend H12 kayaks when we lay out in them. Yep. And I love layout hunting, but like you said, it's like so wet. You're always losing things. Getting yep. When you get done with a hunt, everything you have is wet. Yeah. 
and we we just recently Sunday we hunted a pond and we weren't in an A-frame. We were just laying against trees, you know, nice and comfortable. Right. I got back from that hunt. And I like reorganized my stuff in like ten minutes. <laughs> you come back right. from a layout a layout boat hunt, you're not. I mean, it's just oh my gosh. Yeah, you got to clean the boat off, all your gear. You know, yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of hunts that that the only way to do it right is with the layout boat. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're hunting some marshes and and you, you can only get back into certain spots with those type of boats. You can't, yeah. you know, don't even think about bringing uh, anything else but that back there. So there's a lot of fun hunts that that you can do. It's just tough, you know, hauling in decoys on these little kayaks. You're, you know, this close to tipping over, and, <laughs> and yeah. you know, the dog and all that stuff. It can get it can get messy pretty quick. Just a lot more logistical uh, nightmares yeah. to run through. Yeah, we're hunting in Kansas, and a lot of times we're out on the central part of Kansas where there's no trees in these what I call prairie marshes. And yep. I can't imagine hunting those guys do hunt them without layouts. And some of them, you, there's no way you can get a frames into some of these places. Right. Just logistically. And guys will just walk in and sit in on buckets. And um, man, I mean, you know, you're talking mallards and pintails and you're not getting them at 1520 if you're not in a, in a layout. But so most of the shots you see are like 35, 40. And that's that. That's where it's just like, you've got to have them. Yeah, yeah, the low-level marshes. I mean, we we don't have a lot of that out here uh, in Washington. We, you know, for those types of places, that's the only thing I would run. I mean, you like like you said, you can you know get back into into brush that's you know two feet off the water, and mm -hmm. you know you can hide perfectly, and you, the ducks would never know you're there. And and you know sometimes it's necessary. Um, you know, luckily out here. A lot of our stuff is sheet water fields and, and grass fields and fence lines. And in eastern Washington, kind of the same thing with, you know, big corn or wheat fields and and, and big water stuff that has a lot of trees and kind of flooded uh, kind of willow branches over in Moses Lake. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, forever different style of hunting. You need a different tool. By far, my favorite yep. way to hunt, though, is out in Mayframe. But I definitely do want to add a, uh, a kayak layout kayak yeah. to my, my list of options next season if i can <laughs> yeah we had uh we had those uh final approaches um we had a couple of those and we used those a couple times and they were fun they're sturdy incredibly safe and we put little uh 50 pound uh trolling motors on the back and we were cruising through these little marshes and and they were a lot of fun we just you know we just kind of figured we don't use them as much as we probably should and a lot of our you know 75% of our hunts are in fields anyway. Uh, so we, we ended up getting rid of them, but you know, I may need to uh, bring one back for just to have it. You know, you just need, sometimes, like you said, you need uh, for every different spot, there's something different you need. So probably good to have yeah. one on, on, on hand. For sure. All right. Uh, now for a quick word from our friends over at Lightsall. So Lightsall is a, a sponsor we picked up and I don't know if you're a flashlight guy. Once I started working with lights all, I became um, just in love with different high-end um, flashlights. So have, have you hunted long enough? Like I remember when I first started hunting, I didn't even use a headlamp. Did, did either of you guys ever hunted duck hunter without a headlamp? No. An accident no a couple times. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea how I did it, but I bet you from, I started duck hunting around 1990. And from 90 till the late 90s, I don't remember ever having a flashlight attached to my head. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking back, it's like, it's miserable with, <laughs> it without is. having them. Yeah. So yeah. we've been using these lights all, these lights all um, 
head flashlights. And they're, I mean, I don't know what the lumens is on it, but it is so powerful. I mean, this thing really is, is incredible. And they also have um, this little, it's like a cube. In fact, it's called the cube K U B E. And it's a tiny little thing you can keep on your keychain, and it's magnetic. So, you know, if you had, if you have like anything that's metal, and I don't know if some of those A-frames are those A-frames. Some of those A-frames made out of metal. I've never actually aluminum. Had metal. The ones aluminum. that I use are aluminum magnetic. No, no. Okay, I don't think so. Yeah, but no, they've got not. they've got a little magnetic piece to this, and you can charge your phone on this little cube thing. It's a really slick little kind of all-terrain camping flashlight. Jo Jordan, do you have the cube? I, I do not. You've got to pick one up, and they really are. They really are a slick, a slick little thing. But Lightsall is also, um, they've got something going on this Thanksgiving where they're trying to um, feed the needy, feed, you know, uh, hungry. Oh, that's awesome. and so over Thanksgiving, um, they've got a 45% discount statewide on Black Friday, and they're giving 10% of every sale is going to go to donating to food banks. And what that, so that means that every purchase is going to create five, feel, five meals for those in need. That's great. So we're really pumped up about this company because I've got, I've got almost everything that they've put out as far as their flashlights. And I mean, it's, you touch it, you know, when you touch something that's high quality, you just know. Yeah. It's high quality. And it, it's really, really cool. So anyway, I just wanted to talk about that because it's, it's a fantastic product and tying yeah, in the feeding the needy too. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I don't, I mean, one of the most important things in my opinion in the blind bag is, is a good flashlight or headlamp. I mean, you know, life gets a lot easier at 4 a.m. when you can see what you're doing. So, yeah. Do you guys have much overcrowding or when you hunt? You're doing fields. So mostly you're not probably worrying about other people around. Well, you know, Washington, Washington is an incredibly popular state for, for hunting. And there's a lot of public ground, um, but you're going to run into uh, a lot of different people. We, we've kind of migrated towards, you know, talking with, with farmers and, and trying to basically get a network of, of, of people where, it's, it's, you know, per, by permission only land, um, you know, the, the public land out here can get hit pretty hard. Um, but the state has set up uh, a lot of different um, deals with, with farmers or state land that gives hunters a lot of opportunity out here. So can't complain with, with that. Um, but public land can get very, uh, very crowded, uh, probably just like anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, in Kansas, it's certainly that way. We have don't have that much private, that much public land, so people walking in on top of you is always an issue. And so, for the last three years, I'm using light cells now. I've always made sure to keep like a super torch with me, so yeah. that you know people start walking towards you and they're getting within that you know like too close zone. Yeah, pull that torch out because yep. in the dark you can't tell distance very well at all. No, you can't. I mean, I, so, I mean, how many times probably happened to all of us where you think the the water hole you're on is five times bigger than it actually is. And then the light hits and you realize yeah. it's just a puddle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? I hate that. Yeah. Uh, or you, say, you think your decoys are set way out and you wake up oh, like, yeah, right at your 10 feet. feet from you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy how that works. But yeah, I mean, you just hope that, that the, the hunters that are coming in on public land have the same ethics you do and, and they see your light and they see your fire and, you know, they know to keep a good distance away. You know, everyone wants to have a good time and have a good shoot, but when you're sitting right on top of each other, working the same birds, it can get pretty frustrating. Yeah, really frustrating for sure. Well, Jordan, I certainly have some more questions and some direction to take things, but um, do you have a direction you want to go with the questioning? Um, I guess I, I'd like to hear more about the style of hunting you guys do um, in Washington. 
Yeah. So, you know, I've said this for a long time. Washington to me is probably one of the most diverse, um, one of the most diverse waterfowling states in the country. And, and what I mean by that is you got sea ducks, you got uh, divers, you got puddle ducks, geese, snow geese. I, I mean, there's really no shortage of, of what type of hunting there is available out here. Um, you know, we kind of in Washington, we, we split our, our state kind of into two separate areas. We have eastern Washington and western Washington, and they're two completely different landscapes. Over in eastern Washington, you got kind of high desert, a lot of agriculture, cornfields, rivers, creeks, uh, ponds. And then over on the west, uh, it's known for the, the saltwater bays and, and inland agricultural uh, farmland and, and, you know, sheet water, rain, mud, <laughs> all that type of stuff. So, you know, we have a lot of different types of hunting out here. I mean, you know, I've seen people kill um, sea ducks in the morning and, and go out and shoot, you know, their limit of, of, of mallards in a cornfield that night. Um, so it, it's pretty diverse out here and, and we got a lot of different opportunities. Uh, it, it's really a great state uh, for waterfowling. Um, and uh, there's, there's, there's really no shortage of species that you can't find out in Washington. I've, I, I've never, ever thought about this, but are sea ducks a different limit than puddle ducks? They are. Yeah. So, I mean, you, we, we have a lot out here. We have, um, you know, scoters, eiders, um, really harlequins. I mean, we got a lot of different, uh, we have even brant out here too. And, and, and I think there's a pretty strict, limit. I'm not a big sea duck hunter by any means. Like I said, I try to uh, avoid boats at all costs, but um, there's a pretty, uh, it's pretty regulated out here, especially the brant season. It's only, uh, I think, a couple weeks uh, long during the whole season. So um, there's a lot of different, a uh, lot of different uh, limits to, to each different species. So how do they do that? Because like on the sea, do you get just regular freshwater uh, divers on like redheads? Canvas yeah, back. so really, that's more Eastern Washington. On the Columbia River, you'll find canvasbacks, redheads, golden eye, buffleheads. You know, kind of the whole line of of, of normal divers that you see uh, anywhere else in the country. And then on the west side, on the saltwater, you'll see all different types of sea ducks um, available and brant as well. Um, so how so, do the limits and, work between the sea ducks and divers, and how's that broken out? Well. So, I mean, essentially for each, I don't know specifically for, for sea ducks, how many you can kill. I know it's pretty regulated to where I think you can only kill one Harlequin for, for one day. Um, with pintails, they just dropped, uh, they just dropped it this year to one per person now per day. Uh, mallards, seven, only kill two hens per person. Pretty, pretty normal. Um, but you can't kill seven mallards and then a pintail. No, awesome. no, 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 no. Well, you can kill seven, seven birds, mallards. Seven birds total. Yeah, you can so, kill seven mallards. You can kill seven mallards out here. Oh wow, we only get four. Yeah, yeah, we got five here. Oh, you're only a so four out there. Wow. The sea ducks do those eat into a mallard limit, or those? Are those I, saying that yeah, I would. I would think so. I think your daily bag limit is is seven total. Oh, okay, okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, you can you can mix ducks and geese. Um, but not, you know, you can't go out and kill seven mallards, one pintail, seven widgets. You know, you can't, you can't mix and match. Unfortunately, you guys only but, get two pintails there or one. 
last year it was two and and we have a ton on the west side i mean they're you just you go out on the bay and you'll see tens of thousands of them but <laughs> they dropped it down this year you know to to one uh mm. for some reason but i'll leave that to the uh mm. to the state to decide well, we did just the opposite here we went from one to two ours did, did you, well. yeah i i never really know the you know the the reasoning behind it i mean like i said we we'll go out and you know you could kill as many pintails as you want for the whole season long. I mean, it seems like they're everywhere, but you know, who knows? I mean, obviously there's some type of uh, research that goes into that when they make decisions like that. We, we actually this year just got our first spring uh, snow goose season passed that we will have in February. Uh, so we haven't had that. I don't think ever. I don't, I, I, we may have not in my lifetime, but uh, so I think we're going to be doing a, a video uh, in late February for, for that hunt as well. That's the only time we hunt them is February and March. We had snow starting two months ago. I mean, uh, there's a couple of guys I know that that have been killing snows here for the past month or so, and they're they're starting to come in thick here on the west side, um, and uh, they they do a hell of a job of getting after them. That's for sure. Those things are those things are tough to hunt sometimes and can be very unpredictable and yeah. frustrating. But but they do uh, they do a great job and and uh, they're everywhere pretty much the whole season. We don't have the same opportunities on the um, southerly migration as when they come up north. I don't know what whether they skip over us faster or what it is. When they come back north, they're just everywhere. You constantly see them. And when they go south, you'll hear them. You'll see a few, but it's it's just totally different. Yeah, I don't – I've heard the same thing. I don't know if it's just the, the Pacific Flyway that we get them kind of both ways. But, I mean, we, we have them in – you know, we they start to show up here – in late October, early November. And then we see them all the way through February on their way back up. Um, and, and March. So, I mean, these, these fields, especially on the West side, I mean, they're, they're full of them, um, for, you know, three, four months of the year. Hmm. Hmm. Big groups. That's a, that's a lot, a lot different from, uh, the style of hunting we have in Indiana. I feel like, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it seems like everywhere in the country just has just has such different ways of hunting and different styles. And, and, you know, I mean, I've I've gotten to hunt a few different places and it's funny to see how people do certain things and the different regulations. And and, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty fun to kind of get to try different things. Um, But I can't complain out here. I mean, with our with our limits being at seven and uh, geese being at four and five, it's 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 pretty nice. Which so what's part of it? I've been hearing somewhere they're going to cut the mile limit to two. Is that on the East Coast? You guys yeah. heard that? Yeah, that's. East I Coast. haven't heard that. Yeah, that's it. just East Coast. Yeah, it's like Virginia, Maine, New York, maybe too. I don't know. Oh, um, really? Wow. Yeah, a bunch of those Eastern states are getting cut to two mallards next year. Wow, that'd be rough. <laughs> we were at two mallards in the early '90s here in Kansas, Midwest. Really. Mm-hmm. You guys get mallards in thick, though, don't you, in, in Kansas? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Especially Jan- uh, January. Right. They'll just start coming back up north. When the ice comes off in late January, I mean, we get we get plenty from starting now. I mean, I shot a limited mallard Saturday. So, I mean, we're getting them. But when you get them just, like, eye-popping is right. the late January when the ice comes off and everything's coming north. Yeah, we're still waiting on on uh, kind of that first big push of birds here 
in Washington, but usually the first, you know, we, the geese kind of show up a little bit and then not too soon after the uh, mallards and, and widgeon and all them kind of move through as well. When did your season start? Started in uh, early mid October. Um, but you know, this, this year has been a little, it's been a little weird this year with, with the weather we have out here. Usually it's, you know, we got a lot of rain and wind and, and all that stuff, but this year it hasn't been that it's been, uh, at least over the past couple of weeks, it's been pretty cold, clear. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of water in the fields yet. Uh, so a lot of the birds are kind of stagnant sitting out on the bay. You know, there's some there's some opportunities here and there. A lot of geese, like I said, snow geese and, and dark geese have, uh, have been hitting the fields and have been showing up. Uh, my dad's actually over in eastern Washington right now and sent me a video where there was probably 30,000, 40,000 geese uh, kind of coming into this huge section of, of, of corn. So, I mean, they're starting to show up. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's already November 15th and, or November 13th. And, um, usually by now we got some water in the fields and, and kind of, you know, birds are starting to move around, but we're still kind of waiting on that, that wind and rain to push them inland a little more. And when you say water in the fields, are these depressions in crop fields that fill up or these actual crop fields that get flooded or? Yeah. So a little of both. I mean, we, you know, out here it's, it's so wet. We get a lot of rain that, that a lot of the fields that are just normal kind of corn, wheat, barley, whatever it is, um, they'll get little sections of water in them, uh, where, you know, you got a 30 by 30 little sheet water pond that fills up or, you know, a little edges of field. It just, it kind of, what it really is, is, is we, we need some kind of crappy weather to push them off the bay and get them inland. Um, a lot of them just kind of sit and, and are stagnant out on the bay and there's tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of them out there. Uh, but they're tough to hunt because they're out in the middle and you can't really do anything. Um, so we need some crappy weather to kind of push them off the bay and get them inland, get some water inland. And, and then once that happens and they actually do get inland, then we hope for cold weather. Uh, so they keep coming in and wanting to feed in those fields. And, and that's, that's when it gets fun in, in December and January when they start uh, getting really hungry and, and hitting those fields for food. How cold does it get? How cold does it get there? Typically, like- it, it kind of depends. I mean, we're we're pretty moderate out here. It's nothing like Montana or the Midwest or anything like that. But um, you know, sometimes we'll get into the high twenties. Um, you know, we'll have kind of short little cold front spurts where, you know, we'll get we don't really get a lot of snow, unfortunately. Um, but we get, you know, kind of cold bluebird days where it's you know a high of thirty, high of thirty one, low of you know, nineteen twenty. And we'll have a couple of weeks of that. It'll it'll kind of mix it up a little bit, but it's kind of ebbs and flows. You know, sometimes we'll have you know fifty degree days in December, and it, it can kind of keep keep birds stagnant, which can get tough. But um, usually we have you know some some decent weather. It gets cold enough to where we can we can uh, get after them in the field a little bit. So that brings up kind of an interesting uh, topic. Kind of you're saying like the bluebird days. It seems like everywhere everybody has like a different opinion on whether they prefer to hunt on the sunny or the cloudy days. Right. Opinion on that. I, I, I'm more of a a sunny bluebird day guy. I like my perfect ideal day is windy, clear and freezing cold out. Um, those are, those are my funnest days just because like I said, I mean, we, we deal with a lot of mud out here. So when it's frozen and the ground's tough and the ground's hard, we can, you know, walk into certain places, get the truck into certain places. God knows we've been stuck multiple times, you know, in, in, you know, a foot of mud out here driving through fields. And, and, um, I, I, I like that. I like hunting fields, 
you know, like I said, in A-frames or even layouts. And and when it's when it's cold and sunny out, and you you know you can see all the colors and and they're working just right, and and you got a good you know 10, 15 mile per hour wind. Uh, those can be a, those days can be a lot of fun. I used to love you know as a kid used to love the rain and windy and wet and getting all dirty and stuff like that. Not not anymore. <laughs> such, such a normal kid. <laughs> right, right. Not anymore. Most kids no. probably wouldn't say that, but <laughs> yeah, no. If if I see rain on the forecast, I I kind of go, eh, you know. Hopefully, so you, we'll have a a blind to hunt in. So you actually <laughs> think that the the cloud or the sunny days, the the birds work better. Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily work better. I just know that, you know, it, it seems like out here when it's freezing cold, usually it's a clear day. Usually we That's get those cold true. snaps that don't have any precipitation with them. If it's cloudy out here, then it's usually raining, um, you know, maybe low 40s, high 30s. Uh, if we can get those cold, clear fronts uh, that come in with some wind, uh, usually those produce pretty, pretty fun days out here. And, and they make the hunt just a little bit more fun. You can, you know, use the sun to your advantage, you know, get those birds blinded a little bit more cloudy days. They can kind of pick you out a little bit easier, especially your face. And if, if you're looking up at them with the sun, you know, you get it at your back, it's tough to see, uh, your hide and, and you can be a little bit more, uh, kind of versatile with what you're, what you're using for your hide. And they see the decoys a little better. And then you see them a little better. You can pick out the drakes and, and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you do you um, keep track of hunt? You log you guys' hunts and keep track of any information of your hunts. Yeah, we we kind of what we do usually is you know we used to keep track of you know down to the bird that we that we harvested and and you know what type of bird drake theme or whatever it was. Um, we we've kind of pushed more towards uh, weather patterns and and kind of. Uh, uh, when we see water, that type of stuff, uh, to, to kind of pattern out what we, you know, what we can kind of forecast and usually what we see during what parts of the season. Um, that's the type of stuff that we kind of keep, uh, a log of now. Uh, and, and what's nice about these videos too, is, you know, we, we have so much footage of so many different hunts that we can kind of look back and see, Oh, this was, you know, late November, you know, look at the water level there, you know, look at the, the you know, weather, you know, anything, anything in those regards, we, we try and keep, try and keep tabs on, uh, what we're seeing, when we're seeing it, you know, if we, if we do shoot, uh, something that, you know, a little bit earlier than we're used to seeing it or kind of more color than we're used to seeing, then we'll kind of take note of it and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of keep that for, uh, for future reference. Yeah. How many hunts do you go on a year? Would you say average? You know, it, last year was a little different because I had my daughter um, and, and my wife gave birth um, on October 29th. So like right, right at the start of the season, didn't plan that too well. But um, <laughs> I, I got out a few times last year. Usually if it's it's kind of a clean season and, and, you know, kind of a normal one, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, 30, 50 times, you know, 30, 40 times. I mean, I, tr I try and get out as much as I possibly can. If I can get out one to two times a week, um, I'm happy this mm -hmm. year. Um, it's kind of started slow. Haven't, haven't really got out. Um, uh, our guys, Trevor and, and Alex over at Pacific calls who we work with and do, do these videos with, they've, uh, they've gotten out a few times. Trevor went up to, uh, Alberta for a couple weeks and, uh, just put a hurting on them up there and, and, 
had a lot of fun and 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 now you know we're kind of getting into the uh the good part of the season down here so it'll definitely pick up i'm actually going to get out this week probably uh for really the first time uh since the start of the season and uh you know we'll we'll see how it goes i want to make sure we get a chance to talk about this before we get off i'm more i'm really curious about as far as your videos it sounds like you have a few people involved. What is the process with the videos? Like who's all involved in it? Are the, the jobs portioned out? Is it, how, how what's the production side of? Yeah, so so Thank really you. what we do is, is we kind of have our group of guys um, that kind of each have their own little uh, deal. We, we Trevor, Alex um, uh, at Pacific Calls, we, we kind of grouped with them uh, at the beginning of, couple seasons ago, really last year as well, to kind of work towards uh, the kind of the relationships that we want in regards to like Tangle Free, um, you know, their call company, maybe a couple other uh, small companies that we really, really like, uh, Motion Ducks. We, we've used a couple uh, different ones and we kind of uh, work those relationships a little bit, keep in contact with them. And then obviously it's on us three to, to put hunts together and, and get that going. And then Mather, you know, we get him in and obviously he takes care of the rest as far as the production goes. And, and we help out as much as we possibly can with him, whether it be bringing on uh, someone who helps out with photography or filming. Um, you know, we, we know a lot of good uh, guys and have met a lot of good guys within the industry and, and Pacific Calls themselves. They have a they have a pro staff that has a lot of really, really talented photographers um, that we try and incorporate into some of our films and, and try and get some shots and even put them behind an actual camera to, to film as well. Um, so, so it's, it, it's pretty awesome. And then, and Riley who, who um, tries to get out as much as he can, he's, he's our workhorse. That guy comes in and he'll knock down a whole uh, field for you to, to blind up the, <laughs> to blind up the A-frames and, and set out the decoys. That guy's just, you know, our, our workhorse and, and doesn't complain. And, and it's, it's just a load of fun. So it's uh it's a pretty good group of guys. And, and, you know, when we get together, we, we love to hunt. Uh, we, we have a really good time. So is Mather a, a personal friend or you guys hire him? To he is. Yeah. I, I actually went to, to high school with him, funny enough, uh, here in Seattle. And we actually ended up going out to the university of Montana. We, we never really were great buddies in high school, but, but kind of, uh, became, uh, friends, uh, throughout college. And then obviously through this experience, I mean, when you, you know, when you're sleeping, you know, right next to a guy in the back of a truck you kind of tend to bond a little bit <laughs> more yeah. when you, you know you got you're in situations where you're driving through the night and stuff and and so yeah we've we've become really good friends and and he's become really good friends with a with a lot of my uh good friends as well in the industry so like like lorenzo and doing a lot of films for them and stuff so it's a pretty tight-knit group and and um he, he he's an amazing guy he he kind of like i said he's kind of the backbone of this whole thing and and uh puts the puts our vision into reality, I guess you could say. That's really cool. Very cool. Awesome. So uh, one, one thing you mentioned earlier is that you have um, a bunch of cool hunts planned for your filming. I don't know if you want to share any of your, uh, your future plans for this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so a couple things that we have cooking right now is we are going to just aside from the stuff that we normally do, we're going to try and do one over here on the West side, um, try and do one on the East side with the Pacific calls guys. And, and, uh, Trevor is lined up a hunt in December in Oregon, uh, for some dark geese some cacklers and, and a little mix of ducks. 
And then one that I'm really excited about that I, I want to do, and anytime I get the chance to, um, I do it, uh, get back to Montana in January uh, to hunt some some wheat field, mallard, some warm spring, some geese. Uh, probably put that into a two-part uh, film just because we get out there for three or four days and get to do a, quite a few hunts. And, and uh, you know, that the scenery out there and the, you know, kind of the backdrop and, and the beauty of it. Uh, really speaks for itself, and it's it's easy to film out there because um, the the land and the environment does everything for you. You know the colors and the and the just the overall hunt is it, it's it's amazing. So we're we're excited about that. And then as I mentioned earlier, we're gonna put a film together for the uh, the conservation um, season out here uh, in February, uh, and kind of do a storyline on that. You know, like I said, I. Uh, unless that I'm unaware of it, I, I don't think we've had it um, before. So it's pretty, pretty awesome for the state. Uh, and uh, we got a couple guys out here that um, are actually on the Pacific Hall staff that they get after them really, really well. Uh, and, and hopefully we can put something together with them. Awesome. Ellen, anything you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think that pretty much all my questions have been answered. It's been really, really interesting. Yeah, we uh we appreciate you coming on and uh go ahead and let let everyone know where they can find you across uh, all the social media, everything like that. Yeah, yeah. So our uh our Instagram is really our kind of hub for everything. Um and uh it's at Slade Northwest. Uh and then our YouTube channel is where we really post all of our our stuff. Uh you should see a lot more coming along this year. And that's uh, Slade uh, Slade NY uh, is our is our YouTube channel. You can we have a link directly uh, to our Instagram from our Instagram to our YouTube. So if you find that, you'll be able to kind of see what else we have. We also have a Facebook page at Slade Northwest. Um, so we we got some stuff coming up uh, that uh, we hope uh, everyone likes. Awesome. Where'd the name come from? The Slade. Where'd you pull the name Slade from? Honestly, um, it was me and Lorenzo sitting in his basement. And we went through a bunch of different names and <laughs> this is stupid, but we get a dog named Sage. And so that was the S and then his name, Lorenzo. And then my name, Alex. And then my dog's name was Drake. And then Enterprises <laughs> at the end. It was stupid. We were, we were college kids. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were just like, oh, Slade, that's, that's awesome. It is good. It <laughs> and, works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we just kind of, you know, just kind of went with it, added the Northwest because we hunt obviously mainly up here. So, um, you know, thought about changing it a few times, but we're just like, whatever. That's, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it's a good name and, and, and it's known now. So it's, it's a thing. <laughs> right. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah we, 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 we like it now. <laughs> All righty. Well, yeah. Thanks again. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Anybody no, I appreciate else? it guys. Thank you guys for having me. Um, really do appreciate it. And I'll be uh, following you guys along for the rest of the season. Great. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. And for everybody else, that's a wrap on the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in week in and week out. We couldn't do it without the awesome community we have here at the Duck Gun Podcast. Um, do us a big favor. Uh, make sure over on iTunes to uh, give us a review and share the podcast with your friends and um, that's all we got for this week. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube, and Alex from Slade Northwest. And we'll see you guys next time.